Welcome to Blog Talk Radio in high fidelity. Hello, and welcome to Small Business Digest Radio. My name is Don Mazzella, and I am your host for a program devoted to identifying strategies and suggestions to help small business managers increase profits, add sales, better manage cash flow, improve employee management, and streamline operations. Our guests are other entrepreneurs and experts offering their solutions to the problems and opportunities facing small business leaders. Our aim in each program is to provide one or two thought-provoking ideas or suggestions. So follow us on Twitter at hashtag 2SBDigest or at our website at www.smallbusinessdigest.net. You know, uh, as we enter the second month of the year, the second month of uh, uh, President uh, Trump's uh, uh, term, uh, the world is changing. But one thing that seems to be constant is the need by small business leaders for money. The most recent study, which came across my desk, indicates that 71% of small business uh, leaders in this particular survey said that their number one need was financing. Well, we have a guest with a a very unusual company to help them. E.L. Lifshitz is CEO and founder of Blue Vine, and is here to talk about uh, financing a small business with some unusual ways of doing it. Welcome to the program. Hi. Good morning. Good to be here. Well, it's good, good to have you. Uh, uh, I'm hoping I'm pronouncing it correctly, Egal. Um, as we ask every guest on this program, tell us a little bit about yourself personally before we get into what is perhaps one of the most important topics of the day. Sure, absolutely. Um, so, yeah, I'm, uh, I was born in New York. I grew up in the New Jersey and uh, later on Israel. Uh, I am an engineer by education. Uh, then later um, decided that I'm not such a great engineer and decided to move to the business side and uh, worked in consulting for a while uh, and then um, ended up working in venture capital. So that's how I got into um, kind of working with startups and being immersed in entrepreneurship. And then at some point decided that uh, you know it's it's time to stop waiting on the sidelines and decided to jump into it, and that's where I decided to start Bluevine. Well, you know, you, you, you founded Bluevine, and we're going to ask about it. But um, as I said uh, in the opening, uh, small business leaders say finding money is the t- uh, toughest uh, part of their job. But uh, tell us how you came up with the idea of Blue Blue Vine, and then we'll fun to, uh, and, and then we'll go from there. Sure. Um, so you know, I mentioned I worked in venture capital, and uh, you know, I was fortunate enough to be at a time where there was a lot of innovation around financial technologies, and I witnessed a lot of companies starting around um, you know providing financing, um, mostly to consumers, but also to businesses. And I realized that there's an opportunity in some areas where the need was still not fulfilled and there was an opportunity to provide financing to small businesses in a more streamlined way. Uh, me personally, I was always very passionate about small businesses. My dad uh, had a small business. His father owned a small business. Uh, I was always very familiar with cash flow issues um, and the need that you mentioned before. And so those two things came together, and I realized that there's an opportunity here to build a company that, A, would be very, very successful using technology to um, provide access to capital to small businesses and, and kind of also make a big difference. And so um, that was the history. Um, that was three and a half years ago, and uh, we started the company, and uh, you know, here we are today. Now, exactly what does Blue Line do? 
Yes. So we started the company really innovating on a financial structure called invoice factoring. And I'm not sure how, you know, how familiar the listeners are with that. And I'm happy to expand. But uh, essentially, it is a form of working capital financing to businesses. Uh, and we certainly didn't invent it. It's a form that's been around for 4,000 years since Babylon. Uh, but it was never an online process. It was very paper-based and cumbersome and uh, really not a streamlined process for small businesses. And we decided to innovate on that and make it an online product where you can literally go online um, and get financing with a click of a button. And so that's where we started. And, and from then, we expanded our offering uh, to really not being just focused on invoice factoring, but really thinking about how we solve the needs of our small business customers. And then we also added a business line of credit um, that we also provide online in a very easy and streamlined way. And so today we have both of these products and over time we'll continue expanding. Our goal is really um, just making the lives of our customers easier and so and making sure that we have the right product at the right time. So that's, that's what we do today, but the vision is, um, is, is pretty large and we'll continue to evolve from where we are today. So if I heard you correctly, you, um, you provide an online uh, ability to uh, for a small business to search for and get uh, not only factory loans but loans in general. Is that correct? So it's 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 correct. We have two types of offering: invoice factoring, which is one type of offering, and the other one is a business line of credit, which is you know it provides some of the benefits of a loan, but it actually is even better than a loan because it's it's a credit line that you can always tap into. So both of our products. The common, the common um, theme between both of them is both of them are revolving credit products. So they're not just for one-time use, but they're what we like to call everyday financing. Something that, you know, similar to a credit card, you can use on a continuous basis, not just as a one-time thing when you need a loan, but sometimes, you know, so a credit line which you can tap into whenever you need. Both the factoring product and the business line of credit both have that kind of, kind of feature in, into them. Well, you, you know, um, what is different with you than, say, for me going to a bank or a small business going to a bank? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, you know, first of all, you know, banks, unfortunately, um, do not approve every small business. It's not that easy to get a, a loan from a bank. Um, and, and very honestly, if banks provided a very easy and streamlined way uh, and they provided most businesses to access capital and to the amount that they need, uh, our industry would probably not exist. The reason we exist is because there's a gap in the market. Um, you know, number one, it's very hard for small business to access capital from a bank. Um, some surveys have it that only one out of four uh, small businesses gets approved for a loan at a bank. The other ones get rejected, which is pretty astonishing. So that's number one. And then number two, it's not an easy process. You need to fill out a lot of paperwork. It takes a long time. And, you know, I think most small businesses owners would agree that one of the most precious commodities for a small business owner is their time. And so you can't always afford to wait a couple of months until you get, you get that loan that you need. So both of these um, conditions have made it such that there is a strong driver for companies like ours to exist where, number one, we approve at a higher rate. You don't need to have perfect credit. You don't need to be profitable to access capital from us. And then also we do it very, very quickly. We approve sometimes within an hour, okay? Again, you know, it's, it's the matter, it's, the, it's not even the time, the, the matter of time that it takes us to give you the money, which, is, which could be like an hour, but it's the matter of time that it takes us to approve you and give you that, you know, state of mind that you know that you have that capital available to you and you can go on to running your business. So that's, that's kind of the short uh, end of that. Okay. Well, then the obvious question, um, uh, which I, uh, which is, um, how do you differ in terms of uh, uh, charges, in terms of the interest charge, et cetera? That's a really good question. So, you know, one of the things that banks have a significant advantage over us is they their cost of capital is you know, effectively zero, right? Because they they have deposits from the public, and so they're able to um, to lend to 
you know, to consumers or to small business owners at a, at a lower rate than, than we can because our cost of funds is, is much higher. So, you know, our, our cost to the borrowers is more expensive. It's not insanely expensive, but it could be 20%. It could be more. Um, our goal is not to be the lowest cost provider. We cannot compete with the banks. But I think that question, um, when you consider the fact that we save the small business owner you know, money and time, and time equals money, I think just by that nature, we provide a significant benefit. And, you know, and to the small business owners which can't access capital from a bank, that's not even, even relevant, right? They don't have an alternative. So the alternative is not accessing capital at lower costs, but it's not, there is no alternative. And so if that business owner has an opportunity to use that capital in a manner which gives them more profit and it is positive from an investment perspective, they should definitely take that opportunity. I, um, I agree. But but I um, I heard a number in there. Maybe I'm wrong. But if your cost of capital is 25 percent, uh, what must be the small business owners? Uh, no, no. Let, let me clarify. So our cost is as low as 15 percent APR today. Uh huh. So that's that's as low as you go, which is equivalent to credit card rates. Um, yes. And so we're kind of in that ballpark. You know, sometimes we're slightly higher. Um, but that's kind of the the pricing that we are we're equivalent to, I would say credit card rates. Yes, very much so. Then definitely fits in. But uh, uh, let's go. Uh, you're the founder of Bluevine. Is it? Um, give us the URL for our audience. Uh, it's very simple. It's www bluevine.com. Our name is uh, basically the combination of blue, the color blue, and vine, like grapevine, one word, bluevine, and it's uh, bluevine.com. Well, how did you come up with that name before we go any further? <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's an interesting story. I mean, um, I'll tell you uh, the true story, uh, not the, um, um, you know, there's kind of a couple of versions of that. Right, uh, d depending how um, how um, how much I want to make that story um, um, sound more interesting, but I, I I'll tell you the the, the short short end of that story is I wanted a, a name that really kind of um, symbolizes growth, um, and I liked Vine as a growing plant to symbolize growth. I didn't um, I wanted something that people can associate with, um, and then um, you know. I like blue as a color. I think it symbolizes credibility. Um, and then, then I learned, and that's kind of the, the part that I sometimes leave out. Then I learned that there's actually a thing called the blue vine. Um, it is a, it is a, it is short for blue trumpet vine. Uh, and I stumbled upon that. I learned that you know that's kind of you know when blue trumpets grow in a in a vine, it, it makes it look like a blue vine. And so I, I really kind of like that. Um, and so that's that's how the story happened. The part about kind of stumbling about Blue Vine that was more by accident. I didn't I didn't know about Blue Vine until I I started googling the combination of blue and vine, and then I and I kind of stumbled upon that. Well, we we like an honest answer, uh, and that's that's a, sounds like a terrific answer. We we always ask a, a, that question because it's amazing uh, how p companies get. Uh, Named, and it's always funny. And now yep. you've been in business a while. Um, what what is your default rate? I mean, you're giving out these loans, but uh, mm -hmm. how do you guard against default? So you know, we don't disclose the exact numbers of our of our loss rates. We we do have losses, right? I mean, we can't we can't protect ourselves from from losses completely. Um, but you know, if we didn't want, if we wanted to have zero losses, we wouldn't lend at all, right? That's that's the easiest way not to have any losses, not to give out money. But we do want to give out money, and so um, there's two. I'd say there's two answers behind that. Number one, we lend responsibly. Okay, we we do a very careful job in underwriting, 
in making sure that the folks that we are lending money to, you know, we are looking to lend to more and more small businesses, but we're looking to do that in a careful and responsible manner. So we want to make sure that we're not over-leveraging the business, that they have the means to pay back. And so we do our work to make sure that the borrowers that we give them money really have a chance to pay back and they are good to pay back, right? I mean, we don't want to get them in trouble. So that's number one. And number two, we are a technology company. Our underwriting is being driven by um, a lot of electronic information that we use. It is very, very scientific and allows us to be a lot more precise in our assessment than, you know, a bank or or somebody who is basically evaluating with, a, with, with an Excel spreadsheet. So we use very sophisticated models, which over time improve and allow us to have relatively good prediction in terms of uh, who will pay back and who will not pay back. And then we make our decision based on that. So it's a combination of the two. We do want to provide capital to small businesses, um, but we obviously, in order for us to stay in business, we need to make sure that we don't lose, you know, more money than we're making money. So, cause that's not going to be sustainable. Well, I'll ask the other question that uh, someone just uh, sent across the, uh, my, uh, my desk. What about, mm -hmm. do you require a personal guarantee? So we do per require a personal guarantee. Uh, in most cases, there are some cases where we'll waive it. Um, in our opinion, when the business is very, very small, uh, especially, you know, consider a sole proprietor, right? And we do work with sole proprietors. There's really, um, you know, the distinction between the business assets and the personal assets, it's, it's challenging, right? You know, you're a sole proprietor. Uh, what money is really, you know, owned by the business versus you as an individual, that's sometimes a hard line to, you know, to, it's, it's hard to distinguish. And so um, for smaller business, we do require a personal guarantee, and it is our standard. For larger businesses, uh, particularly when we do factoring, and I should say, you know, maybe give you a sense of how big of, of, of facilities or credit lines we do because that will help kind of answer that question. In, in, in our line of credit, we provide credit lines from five up to $100,000. In our factoring product, we do anywhere from $20,000 to two or even two and a half million dollars. And so in our factoring product, when it's a larger business, more established business where it's not just a sole proprietor who is the business itself, a larger business, we could waive the personal guarantee because it is really a business with assets and so on. And so it is, you know, you can make the separation from the owner and the business. Um, you've been in business a while. Um, if someone were to ask you, I'm asking you, um, uh, what are two or three things you've learned uh, as a small business uh, uh, leader that you'd pass on to other small businesses? That's a great, uh, really great question. Um, so, you know, two things maybe that kind of on the top of my head. Uh, number one, um, you know, you need to really test your assumptions, right, in business. Um, and we've learned that, um you know, as we as we as the company grew, right, we had a lot of preconceived notions about how things would work and even what our customers wanted, right? Um, and and that's kind of how we started. But you know, a lot of these things we learned out that we were just flat wrong. <laughs> and so, um, you know, it was important to do two things. Number one, consistently and continuously test your assumptions. Right, especially if those are hypothesis-based, um, and be open to learning that your assumptions are wrong, and to you know be humble enough to correct your mistakes. Right, and so I think especially if you're you're making assumptions not based on information and data, then as you learn, you kind of need to course correct. And that's we've constantly learned, and that's what's made us successful. So you know, constantly learning and especially kind of testing your assumptions, I'd say that's number one. And number two, you know, a critical part of, of our business is getting to know our customers. Um, and that's where we've learned the most about running our business, like just speaking to our customers, understanding their needs, understanding that they're not all the same, which is, you know, I can't tell you how many different things we hear from our customers. And, you know, 
and 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 really listening, right? It's not I mean not not just having a conversation and, and making your points across, but like really listening into what you they say, because you can just learn a ton, and that will really help you evolve your business. Because ultimately, if you provide a delightful service to your customers, that is the ultimate way to succeed. I don't think you can succeed in a business by mooching your customers. I think that is very short-lived. I think you know you may maximize profits in the short run, but if you want to build a lasting business, a successful growing business, if you really focus on making your customers happy, you will be successful. And so those, I would say those are, are two lessons that we've learned and, and have definitely helped us grow. Well, let me ask you a different question, um, and I don't know where you are, but uh, the Wall Street Journal over the last uh, month or so has been talking about mm-hmm. how uh, companies uh, similar to yours um, are facing uh, problems of generating cash, uh, mm-hmm. cash in which to uh, lend to other people. Um, mm-hmm. Where do you get your financing from? Yep. Um, so... You know, there's different types of, of, of companies in our space. Um, you know, they typically fall into one or two categories, um, and sometimes there is hybrids. One is peer-to-peer lenders or marketplace lenders, which is more um, being recently called. Those are ones that um, the capital on their platform comes from. Um, it's basically investors buying the loans, right? Um, that's one type. The other type is balance sheet lenders, uh, which is ones that basically borrow from um, institutions and use that capital to lend out. Right. The, the main difference is: do you keep the capital? Do you, do you as a business do you keep the capital on your balance sheet? Do you borrow it, or and do you take on the risk of the loans? That's the balance sheet model. The other one is the marketplace model, which I started with, which is. You don't. You as the lender, you don't take the risk. You you lend to your borrowers, but then you immediately sell it, you know, in the back end to investors. Um, and so we fall under the category of um, a balance sheet lender. We have today two warehouse facilities. We basically have credit lines, same as we provide to our customers. We have institutions that provide us the capital. Uh, we have two of them. One one is from a bank, uh, and one of them is from a large asset manager. And, you know, and it's interesting, right, because, you know, our place in this industry is we're really kind of helping small businesses access capital, um, but we get our capital from a bank, right? And, you know, and the story behind this is we can do that. We can provide capital in a more efficient manner. And so to some extent, this is how the banks participate uh, and provide through us the capital of small businesses. So it's kind of an interesting dynamic. So in effect, uh, you did the application to the bank for the small business in the aggregate, and then then turned around and, and parcelled it out in smaller amounts. In that case, so and I think that the important distinction here is we take on the risk. Okay, so if there's yeah. a loss, we take on the loss. We do the underwriting. Okay, and we just pay a, a constant fee to the bank, right? But I think that's a very efficient way to deliver capital to small businesses because. You know, we don't have all the red tape that the bank has, and we're able to underwrite more quickly and more efficiently. Well, if I, I'm not mistaken, uh, and uh, we're we're talking with Egal um, uh, Lifshit, he's CEO and founder of Blue Vine, uh, who who provides uh, financing for small business, and who's a fascinating guest. And I'm, I'm learning a lot. I hope the audience is as well. But um, uh, I, I noticed, uh, and I, uh, I can't remember exactly where I saw it, that uh, a, a, a bank, and I believe it was Chase or one of them, has to, uh, formed an alliance with a company similar to yours to provide fast, active, uh, fast closing loans to small business. In effect, you're changing the, uh, the timeline for banks. Um, uh, am I right about this, and where do you see the industry going? It's a really good question. I mean, there are partnerships uh, with banks, um, you know, that that do happen in this industry. Um, you know, I can tell you that Citibank is one of our investors. Okay, so um, you know, there could be a potential partnership in the future. Who knows, right? And um, I, I do think that 
banks and fintech lenders, if you if you will, um, I do see see a path for them to coexist and to partner. Um, and so, you know, I think banks have realized that there's a place for companies like ours, and we know what to, you know we do what we do very well. And so, and they recognize that. And so, I do see. Uh, more likelihood of, of additional partnerships in the future. You know, the pace at which this will happen, that I don't know. But if I needed to make a prediction, I do think you'll see more and more of these types of partnerships. Well, I, I agree on that. You know, um, uh, I, I'm listening to you, and I went in uh, just recently uh, with someone just to watch the process of applying for a loan in uh, at a bank, one of the larger banks here in New Jersey. Uh, New Jersey, and not not only was the process uh, long, but it's also demeaning. Here was mm-hmm. someone. Um, uh, this is a, a three million dollar company, three million dollars mm-hmm. a year in sales, and here was this um, a loan officer who was all of twenty four years old, um, demanding all this information, and at the end, after two months, they turned uh, turned her down, mm-hmm. and. Uh, again, I uh, surprised and chagrined, and yep. it was also very demoralizing for her. Uh, yep. What is your turndown rate? So, you know, our our goal is to fund small businesses. So we try to approve as many as we can, and uh, you know, um, but at the same time, we need to be responsible. We need to make sure that the borrowers that we lend to can can repay, and so. Um, it is it is a balance uh, today. I'd say that our approval rate is between 40 to 50 percent. Um, um, you know, somewhere along that lines. And um, but at the same time, even when unfortunately we can't approve, we do that very quickly. So you know, our turnaround time is 24 hours. Um, in 99 percent of the cases, we really, you know, even if unfortunately we can't. Um, help the small business owner, then at least we try to give them, A, we won't drag this out, we won't ask them for a lot of information, and we'll give them a response very, very quickly so they can, you know, uh, pursue additional opportunities. And and in many cases, we also help them. We have other partners that uh, sometimes it's it's just our type of financing is not right for them, where we have partners that can uh, offer a wider range or different types of products, and so sometimes we also refer, uh, we'll ask them if they want to be referred to a partner of ours who could potentially help them. In any case, I think the main points are, A, we want to finance as many as we can, right, and we really want to help small businesses access capital. Uh, And then the second point, if unfortunately we can't for one reason or another, then at the very least, we'll tell the business owner, you know, very, very quickly and not have them jump through hoops and waste unnecessary time. You know, this has been a fascinating half hour. Again, uh, tell us how uh, people can reach you and your company, because uh, I'm sure somebody out there really wants to hear about uh, more. Well, awesome. I mean, we have our website where there's a lot of information there. Again, it's it's bluevine.com, and then we have a phone number, which you know is on the website. Uh, we are a technology company. We are a fintech lender, but we have people here. You know, you can always call us. There are people who will pick up the phone. Uh, we have account managers, well, you know, sales representatives, and so we are always happy to, to have a conversation and explain our products in more depth. And uh, and yeah, and uh, we look forward to serving more and more businesses and helping them access capital. Well. Um... Found this fascinating. I'm so glad you came and joined us today, and um, uh, hopefully we'll invite you back uh, later on this year to talk more. Um, well, I have one more question: Has sure. has your rate of um, uh, applications gone up in uh, this year? Uh, we're seeing uh, people see more uh, small business leaders seem more optimistic this year. Um, what has been the trend? For uh, capital, so we've we've been growing very very rapidly. We've we funded uh, about two hundred million dollars in two thousand and sixteen, and we are on track to fund um, you know near half a billion dollars this year. So we've been growing 
at a very fast rate. And uh, we're seeing a lot of demand for small business owners. And um, yes, we are, you know, we're looking forward to serving more of them. And, um, you know, right now we do see an increase in demand. I can't yet point out um, what the reason is, if it's a micro reason, is it is it because of that we're doing well and that we're kind of, uh, you know, coming into um, more people's attention, or is it an industry thing? This that I, I don't know yet, but you know, I'm hoping it's both. Well, I hope you, um, I hope uh, everybody's is, is as successful as you are. Thank you so much for being with us today, and and have a great year, and come come back again. Thank you so much. Take care. Be good. Our next guest is John Swangzer. John, I always get your name, Swangzeiger, the CEO of Manta. He's talking about uh, a lot of things because his, his company is fascinating. John, welcome to the program. Thanks for having me. John, please. I don't know your last name. I always have trouble with Mozilla. Um, Swain's. I have it as Swansiger. Swansiger. It's ah. uh, it's not an easy one. I'm used to it. I'm used to it. Well, thank you for getting me off the hook. But it, but my job is to get it right. You're CEO of Manta. You do a lot of things. But uh, we're going to start by asking you one question, which is a little bit about your personal background before we talk about anything else. Sure. Uh, so my background is I've been in, in technology for uh, just over 20 years now. Um, started off uh, in consulting um, and then kind of made my way through the, the travel industry space did uh, a few different companies there, kind of big and small. Um, some of the notable ones are a travel company uh, called Hotwire that ended up getting sold to um, Expedia and, and IAC, and then um, Starwood Hotels, uh, which which a lot of people know from Sheridan and Weston and those brands, um, but always on the tech side, uh, one way or the other. Um, and then kind of found my way to Manta about three years ago, um, what really was an interesting business that has been around since 2005, a, a small business community of about uh, about three plus million members um, based in Columbus, Ohio. And we have an office in the San Francisco Bay Area as well. Um, but but really a, a company that, that is focused on helping small business owners um, grow and be successful. And, and we have products around that. Well, uh, you do a great job. That's why you're on this pro uh, program. Uh, but uh, uh, let's go a little bit more into depth on, on Manta and tell us a little bit more about it because uh, that was the question that, that came across my desk uh, this morning. W what is Manta and how does it work? Yeah, it's a good question. So, you know, Manta started um, – as a small business directory. So, you know, people, consumers that are looking for contractors, plumbers, electricians, uh, local attorneys, local medical practice, um, you know, business services, accounting, these kinds of things would often find these businesses on the Manta directory. Um, and from the small business community, Manta is one of the, you know, top three, top five places that you usually want your information to be correct. And so a lot of business owners would come and, and claim their business on Manta. And that's the, you know, the, the, the three plus million that we have um, on there today. But really, you know, that was important. We still get, uh, you know, about 15 million unique visitors a month. It's highly trafficked. But we also realized, uh, you know, several years ago that we could offer some products. We were getting so many inbound questions to help, small business owners get found online and, and grow. And so we started that a few years ago and really what it's evolved into is you can go to Manta, you can sign up for your, your, your free profile. And if you want, you can also um, learn a lot. You know, we have educational content and information for free that you can take advantage of, but you can also subscribe to have your information correct across the internet and all digital channels. Um, in one monthly price, and we can also assign you 
the small business owner um, a person, you know, we call them a marketing pro that can kind of go through on a regular basis, on-demand basis, areas where you might want to be aware or make changes. And whether that's, you know, your information is is wrong on your Google My Business page or, you know, you have a, a, a Facebook page that maybe um, needs some attention and should have some content on it. Uh, perhaps you have some, you know, negative reviews on, on Google or Yelp or other places. So we, we kind of collect all that information and score it and really put it into digestible chunks for the small business owner, but told through a person. So it's not just a, a computer or a bot that's telling you it's, it's, an, it's a real human. That is a succinct uh, explanation. I'm glad, uh, and we're, well, I'm probably going to come back to it later on. But you're also here because uh, you you have a, a new fascinating survey that that I won't, was hoping you'd share with our audience some of your some of what it said and some of your thoughts on it. Sure. So you know we do a lot of surveys, and one of the ones that we we recently did. Um, is around SEO or search engine optimization or, you know, pay-per-click, um, they call it PPC, but it's basically Google. You know, how do you get leads um, via Google? And so what we did is we, we contacted um, uh, or surveyed, I should say, just over 600 small business owners and got a sense for, you know, how, what they think about Google, if, if it's valuable to them and, and what they, what they kind of, um, how they look at, at Google and, and search as a channel. And what we found is, you know, a lot of small businesses are just aren't taking advantage of the full capabilities of Google, especially their AdWords product, product which is you can go in and, and, and bid on some words. 40% of the respondents didn't feel that, you know, AdWords yielded any new leads for their business. And then another 33% just said it wasn't very productive. It, there were just a few leads. So you're talking about three quarters of the audience that really has this very powerful channel and just not either finding no value in it or very little value. Um, the other thing we found is that the small businesses really weren't um, in a position to embrace mobile. And if you think of yourself as a consumer, you know, you're probably on your phone a lot, whether it's an iPhone, an Android, or some other type of phone. You're searching for services around where you are. You're using that almost as, as your, your primary you know, computing device. And we found that, you know, 62% of small business owners just admitted they didn't even have a, a website that was mobile friendly. So even if someone's able to find you through Google and they click on a link to your website, you know, you, you, we've all seen the sites that it's really difficult to view on your phone. You have to kind of scroll around. You can't get the information you want. And so the combination of those two really struck out, st stuck out to me that either businesses aren't finding value in one of the largest, you know, digital channels. And even if they are managed, they manage to get a consumer or a lead to click on something, they get to a website that really just doesn't work for them. So those are a couple of things that just jumped out in the survey we did. Yeah, it's fascinating. Well, ha but now having identified the problem, how does Manta, or for that matter, anybody, help small business uh, uh, overcome this? So one of the things we do is we actually score uh, the website of the small business owner, among other things. So if you if you come into Manta and you and and you have a profile even today, you can enter your information, or if you're new and want to claim one, and you put in the the um, web your website, you know, information about your business, and we'll actually go out and run it and tell you, here's how you scored on a zero to one hundred basis. Um, here are some things that you should look at. You know, here are reviews out there for your business. Here's uh, all, all these places where your information may not be correct. So that's what we do. And that's just a proprietary technology um, that we have. And then the business can, owner can decide to, you know, they can work with, with us, which we'd love to, to, you know, to help them do that. Or they at least have the information and can go and say, here are the things that I need to, to fix on my website or, or just on my digital, uh, where I am online in general. It's a, it's a great and this you do uh, as part, as part of the deal. It's not an extra cost or anything. Right, it's it's not. Uh, so we 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 do it a scan for you for free um, when you come in um, when you claim the business, and then if you want to go further, you can either 
call our rep or you can you can go through an online process to see if you want to get a product that just just fixes the information everywhere um but no it's it's just part of our initial setup well um let's go further afield a little bit if we can uh, john you um what do you see as some of the trends in small business today that uh, uh, you you think you might want to share with our audience um, you know, so I, I think the some of the big ones are um, are really around um, search, right? So, so there are different ways to 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 search for for your business. Um, a lot of customers um, go through, and if you see changes that Google has made, they'll do a search for um, you know contractor in my area. And some of the big changes have happened around how this information is is sort of presented. So. They call it a Google free pack now, and there'll be three businesses on top that usually have really good Google My Business pages. They have reviews from customers. Um, you know, they have information up there, and that's very different. And that's and that's you know, search engine optimization. It's free, also. So if there, it used to be a situation where um, anybody who had a website could be you know could be found, and 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 you might get in the first one or two pages, but now really the game has sort of changed a lot in, in, in terms of how people find information. And the mobile part of it, again, you know, whether you're talking to Siri or Alexa with voice is becoming another huge movement that we're seeing in the space. People are just asking their device, even their car sometimes, hey, you know, find me a restaurant, find me a, a salon, find me a spa, whatever. Um, and so it's really changed the nature of how people find businesses. Another thing that, that that is happening is just word of mouth. And again, you know, I, I like to put myself in the eye, as a consumer. People read reviews about businesses, all kinds of businesses, right? Um, if you're going to get your your car fixed, you probably try to find not only where to go, but what people are saying about it, and if there are any offers. Um, so that sort of combination has really retrained a lot of people on how to find out about which businesses they should use. And so, you know, for people, for small business owners that historically weren't worried as much about um, their, you know, what was said online about them, I think that's changing pretty quickly and it can have an effect either positive or negative on their business. You know, I'm, uh, I'm looking at um, our new book, Recalculating 97 plus experts on driving small business growth. You were a major mm -hmm. contributor to the book, Three Ways Small Business Owners Can Prepare for Impact of New in Overtime Regulations. Um, uh, we're jumping a little bit, but um, what do you think is going to happen with this new admini administration in terms? Do you think that the uh, regulations, et cetera, that uh, have seemed to seemingly small business felt handicapped over are going to, to ease? Yeah, so I guess that's the multi-million dollar question, right? Um, I I don't know. So only public statements the administration has made, obviously, are that they want to reduce regulations, which should spurn growth. Um, but it's sort of unclear exactly uh, what that means or how it's going to happen. I think... The things that we saw last year that were very concerning small businesses, um, there were a few of them. You know, the, the first is the the new overtime regulations that doubled, and so do you have to pay workers overtime wages? Um, you know, over you know forty some thousand dollars as opposed to, to twenty three thousand. Um, that was a major concern, and it's unclear if that's going to be changed or rolled back. And I know a lot of businesses are, are concerned about that. The other one is the ACA slash Obamacare, and still unclear, you know, if that's going to be repealed, replaced, changed, added to. Um, so right now, the businesses are still kind of in limbo on both of those and have to observe the rules of their government and state, um, but waiting to see what happens there. And the third one is is really minimum wage, um, which has changed in places like California and New York, and you know, been proposed and kind of nationwide, but. Um, I don't know. Uh, unfortunately, I, I wish I had a crystal ball to see where the administration is going, but you would guess that 
if they're listening to small businesses, those are the three biggest areas that they're concerned about um, that are completely related to regulation, either at the federal or state level. So uh, unfortunately, if you're a small business owner, you're just kind of in a wait and see mode. Uh, you definitely don't want to be penalized for not being compliant, right? All of those are compliance issues. But you also want to stay aware of what's changing because, for example, if there's a large change to the, um, the ACA and or the overtime rules, your business, you, know, you may be able to hire less or more or, or make other changes. So that's kind of what we're hearing and seeing from our, our community right now. That's an extremely uh, cogent explanation of everything. Thank, thank, uh, thank you. Uh, I, I want to record that again and put, put it out on our website. It uh, really fits. Well, uh, let me ask you one other question. Um, we had uh, our previous guest talking from Blue Vine, and he talked about uh, the need for financing. What is Manta doing to help small businesses uh, find financing, which they said was one of their major uh, needs to grow? Yeah, it's true. Um, so, you know, at Manta, we have a lot of content around this and other areas on our site. So you can go to Manta, M-A-N-T-A dot com and, and find kind of the, the current um, funding or investment environment and what that looks like. But, you know, to, to piggyback on the Blue Vine comment, um, lending is and, and continues to be an area that is, that is a frustration for many small businesses. Um, there's kind of this um, limbo where credit is still relatively tight. Uh, there are new uh, rules or restrictions that are placed on small businesses around their small business or business credit score, rather, uh, not just their individual credit score. And most small business owners still put a lot of the business on their personal credit score. So they're either not aware that there's a business credit score or not really working on it. Just like your regular credit score, you have to kind of work on it to build it up. Um, and then on the lending side, it's really, it can be confusing. Uh, and I'm sure, you know, that's what you just heard in your last spot that um, there are pseudo predatory lenders out there, um, you know, payday kind of loans that are really high interest rates and may not be exactly what you want. Uh, and then there are traditional banks that have been very difficult for some businesses to get loans at without, you know, lengthy credit history or things like that. And there's sort of the in-between new players, um, you know, the lending clubs of the world that are out there and use different types of criteria to, to lend to small businesses, but they're not really well understood or known. Um, you know, so the, the lending marketplace has really changed a lot, certainly the last decade, to where you either go and get a a small bit, an SBA loan, you'd go to a bank and get a loan, or you'd go to a, you know, kind of a really high interest lender when you, when you're really in dire straits. Now there's tons of options in between. And I'd say that, you know, the main thing is to go to places like Manta or, or other sites to try to figure out reviews and what other small business owners are saying about specific lenders. But, um, if you're using capital to fuel, to fuel growth or, you know, you need cash to fuel growth, you know, that, that's a good reason to add, um, you, know, you know, to add some complexity to your business. You just want to make sure that the, the lending partner that you're choosing is aligned with that and doesn't expect to have all the money back in, you know, shorter term than you're actually able to grow the business or the interest rate's so high that it actually cripples your business, um, you know, these sorts of things. And, and places like the SBA are still, I think they're underutilized in many cases because they, they market a little bit differently. So there are, I understand why people are, why small business owners are confused is because it's, it's a pretty complicated landscape right now. Yeah, it's a, a difficult landscape and one that I don't think is going to improve um, radically over the next few months. It's going to take time. Uh, uh, but you brought up an interesting point. John, how, did, how does one find your business score? Someone just emailed me and said, how do I find my business score? You know, it's funny. We, we did a survey and we wrote some articles on this, and there's, there are different ways to find your business score. You know, there, there are places like uh, Dun & Bradstreet that have a score for you. There, there's not necessarily a standard. Um, you know, there, there, there's a few different types, um, but 
I would, I would frankly, you know, again, at the interest of pushing Manta a little bit, but I would go to somewhere like Manta and look up the way, you know, read some articles on how you track your business score, um, how you find it and how you manage it is a bigger thing because a lot of people don't even have a, um, a business credit score. Um, so, so how do you start a business credit score? You know, how do you get a business, um, how do you get business credit extended to you? These, these types of things. Um, it, it's, it's new, you know, it's, it's a relatively new thing. And there's, like I said, there, there's a DMB one, there are different agencies that are trying to start their own, but um, it's important to at least understand, do you have a score now and how do you get started and then actually worry about the, you know, the steps in your score. Um, but, but the, the biggest one really is, is that your DMB or the Dun Bradstreet credit file, which many businesses in, aren't really up to that. They may know their Dun's number, but they're not, they're not sort of checking in on that. Well, um, will, will you tell them again, spell out your, your website uh, for our audience? Sure. It's uh, M-A-N-T-A dot com, Manta dot com. Well, uh, I use it a lot, so uh, I know, know it's value, and I'm so glad you, you joined us today. Do you have any final thoughts that you'd like to uh, pass on to uh, our small business leaders? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think uh, I think an easy place to start that can be daunting I, I get on, on the Internet is just, you know, search your business as if you were looking for your business. Uh, you know, do, type in some search terms to Google to try to find not only your own business name, if people are finding that, but but in your local area. Um, you know, that is a great place to start that many businesses either either don't have time to do or don't think of or, or regularly check. Because you can not only find how your either website or service or Google My Business page is, is performing, but you can also kind of see what your competitors are doing and get some ideas that you may be able to pull in. Um, the same thing that they, the small business owners do every day, right? If they're if they're looking at competitors' work or or taking a look at their information, same thing for their Facebook page. I think it's important for them for the small business owner to know how customers are reacting and reviewing their own business, but also how they think about about competing shops. I just think it's a uh, it's something that's really readily transparent on the internet now, and it's not taking advantage of as much as it should be. It doesn't cost anything in many cases. Fascinating, fascinating. Uh, John, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, I, I know uh, I learned a lot. I, I, I hope our uh, audience did as well, and I hope you'll come, come back again sometime and talk some more. Happy to. Thanks so much for having me. No, thank you. Be good and good luck to you. All right, you too. Take care. Thank you for listening tonight. All of our guests are invited because they offer actionable advice to our audience. They do not pay to join us, but rather demonstrate their capacity for helping our audience add profits. Thank you for listening, and we'll be here again next week.